All right, so this morning, um, I want to I wanna do a concept, then we're going to do our verses, then I want to come back to the concept. And this is something that I've never done before, except an hour and a half ago, but I've never done it before, and so it's, it's cooking. It's been cooking for 30 years. I've watched men, I've watched women, I've watched boys, I've watched girls, I've watched people in the church, I've watched people outside the church. And so I want to share something this morning that's maybe not well done, but it's not raw either, okay? If we're cooking this, it's kind of like medium to medium well. But I want to have a concept today. You're going to say, to, you're going to say well, now, how does that apply to those verses specifically? It doesn't, okay? But it does apply to almost all the verses in the Bible, But what I want to do today is take the verses that we have this morning and show you how this concept so applies. All right, good? Ready? Okay, here we go. We've talked about blind spots before. That's not where we're going this morning. We've talked about blind spots about a year ago, and a blind spot is something that you have that you cannot see. You do something that you don't know that you do. You say something in a way that you don't know that you say it. You have blind spots. Everybody raise your right hand. Say, I have blind spots. Everybody raise your left hand. Say, I have blind spots. Turn to the person to your left and say, you have blind spots. Turn to the person on your right and say, you've got so many, we don't have time to talk about all your blind spots. Okay? Everybody in the room has blind spots. Now, I don't know if the car companies came up with this or not, but it's pretty smart because when you're driving your car, you know if a car is kind of on that back left or that back right, it's in your blind spot. Now, I've got a Buick and the newer model Buick, which is awesome because my mirrors light up. When somebody's in that right-hand side, my mirror's just blinking yellow. Somebody's in the left side, my mirror's blink. When they're in my blind spot zone my mirrors blink. It's awesome until you drive another car that doesn't have that. (laughs) So two weeks ago, I go from my Buick to Emily's Camry, which is about three years old, and her Camry doesn't have that. And I'm changing lanes, and I don't know why people are blowing at me. I got the universal gesture from somebody. I just hope they don't go to Harborside. But, but, It's cool to have, you know, because you got blind spots. And a blind spot is I've got something I can't see. And you're so wise if you have one or two people in your life who can speak about your blind spots. Um, Dean McSpadden, he's our CFO of our church. We worked together for over 13 years. And we worked together, and every Thursday morning we meet for a couple hours. And probably two or three times a year, Dean will say to me, hey, I know you don't mean to say this this way. I know you're not interpreting something this way, but, but can I speak honestly and openly with you? Two or three times a year, I, I do the same thing with Dean on a Thursday morning. I'm sure you don't mean this. I'm sure you, this isn't what you're tr- thinking that you're doing. But here, here's what you're, it's called a blind spot. And everybody has them. And if you have one or two people who can speak into your blind spot, you will do well. I guarantee you, you have them, we see it, you can't see it. That's not where we're going this morning. But you have a blind spot. That was free, okay? (laughs) We go from a blind spot then to what's called deception. 
And deception in the Bible, that we could list 15 different verses about deception. Do not do this. Do not be deceived. The Bible talks a lot about us being deceived. I don't have time to go all through 15, 16 verses right now, but there's a whole bunch of scripture that talks about do not be deceived. And it'll talk about different categories. Do not be deceived about friends. Do not be deceived about alcohol. Do not be deceived about sexual immorality. Do not be deceived about hot-tempered people. Do not be deceived about false teachers. There's a whole list of deception. Now, here's the difference. A blind spot is I can't see it. Deception is I don't want to see it. I know something's not right. I feel something's not right. I hear something that's not really right. I know I'm thinking something that's not right, but I don't want to think about it. And I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I know losing the scholarship wasn't all the professor's fault. I know the job thing that didn't go well wasn't all their fault. If I'm honest, I know there's some things in the marriage that I'm at fault with. But I don't want to think about it. Blind spot is, I can't see it. Deception is, I don't want to see it. And then what you do next is then you go into betrayal. There's three different ways to do this. So number one, it's a a blind spot. I can't see it. Number two, deception. I don't want to see it. I know there's some issues here. I know I had some fault with the marriage. I know I had some issues with the job. I know I didn't handle that with the kid, my, my son, right. I know I didn't handle that with my father, right. All this is going on, I, I, but I don't want to think about it. So now I'm going to betray myself. And I've watched this over the years. I've watched people who don't want to deal with something. Honesty is never meant to hurt you. Honesty is always meant to heal you. But I don't want the truth. It's kind of like Jack Nicholson. You can't handle the truth. I don't want the truth. And so I've got to come over here and betray myself. As I betray myself, I have to tell my story. I have to tell why I'm right and you're wrong. I have to justify why I should be in this position. And so I inflate my story. I inflate my ego. I'm telling everybody else why I'm right and why you're wrong. And I've got to feed this. If I don't feed this cycle, eventually it won't have enough energy to keep going. And so I want to talk about today deception. Because even though you can be deceived, you still kind of have an inkling, a nudging, a feeling, a thought that I know something's not quite right, but I'm just not going to think about it. And so I'm not going to deal with this issue. I'm just going to keep betraying myself. And when you betray yourself, you never get well. You never get stronger. You get weaker and you just kind of like a hog on ice, that's an Indiana term, hog on ice, you just slide right off the farm pond, and you're gone. And you never recover. You never, that was free, by the way, hog on ice. Okay. So this guy gets a phone call from his wife. She's on an international business trip, and she's calling from Germany, and she said, hey, how's my cat? He says, the cat's dead. She says, what? 
cat's dead. She said, well, that's not how you tell me the cat's dead. She said, you know, when I get to London, you say, you know, the cat's on the, on the roof. I mean, the cat's up on the roof. He said, why would I tell you the cat's on the roof? She said, well, you're trying to break it to me slowly. And then when I get, you know, like to New York, you tell me the cat's really ill. And, and then when I get to, to Atlanta, you say the cat's at the vet. Then when I get home, you say, honey, I'm so sorry, but the cat died. He said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do better. I'll do better. She said, by the way, how's mom? He said, she's on the roof. (laughs) I love that joke. I think that's a cool joke. Thank you for laughing. I love that joke. The point is, we don't really want to hear the truth, do we? Cat's dead. We we don't want to hear it. And so rather than dealing with our issue, we continue to deceive ourselves. Now, already you know there's some issues going on in your life right now where if you're honest, just like the words of that song, if I'm honest, I'm truly deceiving myself. Second Corinthians chapter 4, that's the concept. Here are the verses. We'll come back to the application of the concept in just a minute. Second Corinthians chapter 4 says this, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry we do not lose heart. Now, I want you to camp out on this verse for just a minute because it's real easy for you to deceive yourself that you don't have a ministry. It's real easy for you then to betray yourself by giving up. Now, every one of us in this room who are Christians and every one of you in this room that are going to become a Christian at some point, we have received mercy And mercy just means God has withheld his judgment from you. You deserved wrath of God, but you got the grace of God. Mercy is he is withholding something that honestly you have deserved. And for those of us in the room that are believers, it's like, I know I sinned. I know I got issues. I know I lied, stole, cheated, betrayed. I know I, and, and yet now I'm clean and now I'm forgiven. And because of that, you have a ministry. And so you hear oftentimes where you can't earn your way into heaven. That's absolutely true. You hear all the time there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. I agree with that 100%. But then you kind of hear like there's nothing that we're supposed to be doing. I'm saved. Well, now, like, what am I supposed to do next? You've got a ministry. And if you don't really focus on that ministry, then you've got to keep betraying yourself to say, well, not me. You know, I want to do what I want to do. I want to live what I want to do. I want to have my own time, my own money, my own space. And so what he's saying here is, through God's mercy, which is amazing that he saved you and let you come to Christ, we have this ministry So we're never going to give up. We're never going to lose heart in this. He says, rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. In other words, in that culture, everybody was vying for attention. And they're not going to be honest. We've got commercials and marketing and things today that not every story you hear is true. Not everything you read in the newspaper is true. Not everything you hear on television is true. Most of it is, but not everything. And he's saying, we're not going to play that game. I'm not going to go out and try to sell Christianity in a a shameful way. 
Rather, we don't use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. And, and you notice that, that these guys in the New Testament, they're always just like telling it real. They're just keeping it raw. He says, on the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, we want you to think. Use your conscience. We're not trying to shuck and jive you. We're not trying to manipulate you. We want you to think. We commend ourselves. We lay it out there to everybody and say, look, here's the truth. This is how God works. And we do this in everybody's sight. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Not everybody accepts the scriptures. Some people want to deceive themselves. Don't you really think that most people in your life who've pushed God away know there's a God? I mean, if there's a painting, there has to be a painter. If there's a creation, there's got to be a creator. I mean, don't you think that most people... And so you've got to betray yourself to keep pushing it away. And so if our gospel is veiled, if some people can't see it, if some people can't get it, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Now... Satan obviously is involved. This is a great verse. It's a great verse to remember when you're praying for one of your friends or one of your family members. The God of this age, Satan, has blinded the mind of unbelievers. He has thrown sand into the gears. The God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel. Now, is it that they can't, or is it that they won't, or is it they deceive themselves, or have they betrayed themselves so much that they don't want to think about it? I'm not sure. They can't see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. Well, let's just kind of get off the road for just a minute, go over to a rest area, and talk about Satan for just a minute with three different verses. And I want to show you he has less power today than he's ever had before. Now, we start off with Jesus, and Satan's got a lot of power before the cross. But after the cross, it's a whole different ballgame. So here's Jesus. Here's Satan. The devil led him up to a high place. Lucifer showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor that's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So at this point, you know, Satan's got a lot of power, right? Okay. Now, here's what Jesus says a little bit after that. He says, now is the time for judgment on this world. And now the prince of this world is about to be driven out. I'm about to unplug him. He will have less potency, potential power than he's ever had before. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I'm going to be drawing all people to myself. So it is possible for every person to come to Christ. It is possible for every single person not to deceive themselves, not to betray themselves. It is possible today for the gospel to reach every single person. Because here's what he did. Here's after the cross. This is like after those post-resurrection appearances. He has disarmed the powers and the authorities. He has made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus rose from the dead. The blood of Christ cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And the blood of Christ gives you a ministry and gives you strength and gives you an amazing ability. Back to our verses. 
For what we preach is not ourselves. Now, I love this about Paul. I'm going to use a political illustration. I'm going to equally offend both sides of the aisle. I can offend Democrats, Republicans at the same time. I can make everybody mad in about the next 30 seconds. But if you watch our politicians today, are they preaching themselves? Yes. Two examples on both sides of the aisle. Somebody pick one side of the aisle first, so I don't pick, it, pick one side. Democrat or Republican? It's not that hard. It's really easy. It's only two choices. Pick one. Republican. This past week, Republican, this past week, don't boo, don't cheer, don't blink, don't breathe, or I'll, I'll get in trouble. Just stay, look focused ahead. The Senate health care bill this past week, you've got some senators, Rand Paul and Ted Cruz, that are what? Look at me. On the other side of the aisle, because that's, that, that's who's next, you've got Nancy Pelosi, and she's up there telling everybody what a great master moral uh, legislator that she is. Everybody's preaching themselves. That's enough about politics. We're moving on. Okay? Have I offended everybody? I tried. Okay? Paul never does that. Paul never stands up in some podium or pulpit and says, look how great I am. Look at what I did. Look at how I sacrificed. Look at the things I could have had. Paul says, I want to tell you about Jesus because I was lost and now I'm found. I want to tell you about my Savior. I want to tell you about the Messiah. I want to tell you what Jesus Christ is doing inside of me. I want to tell you how great Jesus is. Paul never preaches himself. He preaches Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, this is in Genesis, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. You are that light. And so when you go into a work environment, when you go into a family reunion, when you go into a neighborhood debacle, when you go into a, you name it, and you actually act like Jesus, talk like Jesus, and you begin to think like Jesus, everybody notices Jesus. And Paul says, we don't preach ourselves. We're not distorting the Word of God. We're not betraying ourselves or betraying anybody. We're helping people come to see the greatness of Jesus Christ. All right, back to our concept. So, you're not a Christian today in the room, and we're so glad you're here. Whatever reason you're here, she's cute, you lost a bet, I don't care why you're here, but you're here, okay? And, and you're in the room today, and, and, and you're going, I don't know about all this, I can't quite make sense of all this. It's so easy for you to deceive yourself. Let's have an honest discussion. It's real easy for you to deceive yourself, and you hope that the story isn't true. You're kind of hoping that the story doesn't make sense. You're really kind of hoping that the disciples stole the body. You're kind of hoping that the story will someday pan out where all those disciples really were hallucinating and they made up a story about seeing a resurrected Messiah. And so you deceive yourself hoping that it isn't true because if it is true, it changes everything. 
If the story's true, then that means he's real, and that means that he has a right to your life. And so let's just betray ourselves. Let's just do self-betrayal. Let's not try to find out the answers. Let's not realize that lots of smart people have gone through this journey. Let's close it down, and let's just talk about the problem of evil and the hypocrites at work who give, themselves, who give them the name Christ a bad reputation. That, that's betraying yourself. And it's so easy to do that for those of us that are Christians in the room. It's really easy to betray and to be in deception as well. I mean, you you can deceive yourself. How could I have a ministry? I have sinned so many times. How in the world could I ever invite somebody to church when what I've done and what I've been through, the things I've said, how in the world could I ever start like sharing my faith with other people. And so you betray yourself. And the betrayal comes when the Holy Spirit is nudging you and leading you just to, just to invite her to church. Ah, I, can't, I can't do that. I, I can't invite her to church. I've, I've been such a hypocrite at work. How the heck can I ever invite her to church? And, and so you've got this nudge, this leading, and you betray yourself. Therefore, since through God's mercy... You and I have a ministry, and we're never going to give up. We're never going to quit. We're never going to stop. We have this incredible ministry that God has given to us. And so we hear these stories about how God has you know, saved you, and there's nothing that you can do, and we falsely get the impression then that for the next you know, 10 years, the next 80 years of your life, you just kind of come to church and sing the hymns and be bored. That's not the way it works. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, come and follow me. Come and follow me. And spend the rest of your life doing absolutely nothing. Did I misquote it? (laughs) He said, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Followers fish. This is what you do. Oh, you're saved by my grace. My blood's forgiven you. You can't do anything to get it. But followers fish. Followers fish. Followers fish. And we fish at home. We fish in the neighborhood. We fish at work. We fish everywhere we go. Because there is everything at stake. It's called eternity for all those people around us. And Paul says, don't deceive yourselves. Don't betray yourselves. We know you're not that clean. We know that you're not that good. We know you're not that white. That's why you've been given mercy. That's why the blood of Christ has cleansed you from all your unrighteousness. Nobody in the room qualifies to be Jesus. Paul was a murderer. And so what do we do then to be able to fish well? Well, first of all, we've got to have some kind of conviction that this is what we're supposed to do. We have to have a conviction that this is like, gosh, I've been saved. I've been forgiven. Someone was praying for me. Someone reached out to me. Someone invited me. We have to have this conviction that somehow I'm in the game. I'm not on the sidelines. Every day I'm in the game. But it goes from conviction. I I, got to be convinced that I'm a part of this. I have to be convinced that God wants me to have this ministry, 
I have to be convinced that God cares about me being a part of all this. But it goes from conviction to being convinced. I, I, I have to care. I have to care about my neighbors. I have to care about my family members. I have to care about co-workers. I think, I think my co-workers are safe. But anyway, I think most of you are in a whole different context than I am, right? And then it takes a little bit of courage. So when I was a younger pastor, I'm still very, very young, but when I was a younger pastor, I, I used to think that the way this worked was you meet somebody and you kind of show up and throw up on them, you know, and hell is hot, turn or burn, repent or lament or whatever those things are. And I used to think that that's what you did. But I realized today that's not kind of how he works. How he works today is through the local church. And so you invite somebody to the local church. The Southern Baptists have done some amazing research on this. They've discovered it takes seven to nine invitations before someone comes. Seven to nine times before someone will actually come and visit the church for the first time. So we invite once or twice and people give up. I don't do that anymore. I just keep inviting, inviting, inviting. And they do. They, they, they show up. But, but the, the, the deal is, I used to think you gave them Christ and then they come to the church. It, it seems to work just the opposite. It's Christmas Eve. It's Easter. It's a special children's event, special youth event, Mother's Day, Father's Day. You, you invite them to church, and then all of us are in on the deal. All of us are showing them that we've been saved by the grace of God. We've, re- we've received mercy. You can too. We show them that there's room for, for more. And, and through the, the worship and through the children's ministries and student ministries and men's ministries and women's ministries, through all this stuff, we then begin to show the people that, you know what? Jesus loves you. And now we can't connect all the dots. No, I don't know why you prayed for your grandmother to not have breast cancer and die, and and she died. No, I can't answer a lot of those hard questions. I can't. But I know if there's a painting, there's a painter. I know if there's a creation, there's a creator. And I know that I know that I know that you and I have this amazing ministry that he's given. And so it takes these four C's. It takes conviction. I got to be convinced that I'm in the game. I got to have compassion and I got to have a little, little bit of courage. Now, right now, you're already thinking about some of these people in your life. They're in your family. They're in your workplace. They're in your neighborhood. They're in your school. They're everywhere around you. These are folks all around us in our lives today. And so that God of this age has blinded them. I'm going to pray that they see. I'm going to pray for the scales to come off his or her eyes. And I'm going to invite and invite and invite. Now, that's just me. I'm going to invite people, invite people, invite people, invite people. I'm going to do it. Because for me, I just wake up in sweats thinking about some people not getting to go to heaven and being there. And I've said that to different men at Starbucks. Why do you care so much? Because I really want you to be in eternity with me. I really, I really want you to get to go to heaven. 
I really want you to be able to live today without shame and without pain and without, it it does matter to me. I absolutely care about you today, and I certainly care about you tomorrow and for all of eternity. So maybe, just maybe, with my blind spots, I have one or two people, I allow one or two people to speak to me. Not very many, but one or two people speaking into you. Now, if, if nobody can speak into you today, if you're not listening to anybody in your life, that's a real problem. Second of all, though, what we're talking about is deception. And you already know inside of your heart some things that aren't right, not going well, I'm ignoring them. And to continue to ignore them, I, I have to go over here and, and continue to work it up. What if I didn't do that? What if I said, okay. You got my best interest in mind. You're the king of the universe. I'm going to put my faith in you, and I'm going to trust you for the consequences. That's a bold statement. I'm going to put my faith in you, and I will trust you for all of the consequences. And I then go from betraying to belief. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe that Jesus is the son of the living God. And I go from betraying to belief and then I go to, to baptism, and I, I identify with his death and with his burial and with his resurrection. I want to show you this clip from our last baptism. There is nothing more important right now than you being able to go to heaven and to live with Jesus and all of his people forever and forever. There's nothing more important. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Have you accepted him as your Savior? It's not that hard. It's a decision. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I, I admit that I, I need Christ. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I need saving. Tonight, sign up for Christian baptism. Out in the guest service desk right now, go out there right now and sign up to be baptized tonight. It is such an incredible step of faith to identify with the greatest event in all of history, Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, and that's exactly what you go through. I die to myself, I bury all my gunk and junk and sins forever, and I rise to a new life. There's going to be hundreds of us tonight to celebrate with you. If you've never been immersed, if you've never been baptized into Jesus Christ, your decision. I was sprinkled when I was like six weeks old. That was cool. My mom's decision, my dad's decision. That's great. But it wasn't my decision. This needs to be your decision as a, as a thinking individual that I am going to follow Jesus Christ. Right now, we'll sign up. And we'll baptize you tonight in the Gulf of Mexico. Why don't you stand with me? Prayer partners, if you would, come down front. For our prayer partners this morning, perhaps it's giving your life to Christ. Perhaps it's asking some more questions about Christian baptism. Perhaps it's, it's asking some things that need to be asked today. Maybe it's my heart is hurting. It has absolutely nothing to do with this. Or maybe it has everything to do with this. If I'm honest, I really have been allowing myself to be deceived. If I'm honest, 
I really keep telling that same silly story over and over and over again so that I can keep the thing going and keep some energy to it. But boy, wouldn't it just be a whole lot easier just to come clean and lay it down and give it at the feet of Jesus? If you would do that this morning, that would be absolutely to your benefit. You are the king of the universe, as that song uh, plays, and we worship you today. Oh, God, there's no reason for us to live in deception drive. Get us, get us to the cross. Get us to Christ. Get us to you. If there are those in the room that have never received you as Lord and Savior, may this moment right now be his or her moment. And, and many in this room have never been immersed. May all of them go sign up and be immersed tonight in the name, in the name, in the name above all names.